At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody. This is Stephanie Hansen, and welcome to Makers of Minnesota. We are here podcasting our 29th episode, and we've been speaking with uh, entrepreneurs and folks in the Minneapolis, Minnesota region doing cool stuff. It could be entrepreneurs. It could be people that have created uh, services or unique apps. We really have tried to cover the gamut uh, in terms of diversity And today is a service that I'm real passionate about, and we've talked to two people in the Twin Cities that have done this. So it'll be interesting to see if there's um, some differences between the two. We are talking to Amy Quayle. Hi, Amy. Hi. And you are here with Wise Inc. Creative Publishing. And earlier Mm. in the podcast, we talked to um, uh, Mark Levine from Hillcrest Media. What is so interesting to me about this is you are starting or have started a publishing company to help authors bring their ideas from the germination to the final product of having a book. Yep. And it's so cool to me, A, that the Twin Cities has so many book lovers. That's neat. Um, but also, you know, Hillcrest Media did this and was very successful at it. And you guys are, in my mind, and I could be wrong at this, but sort of the indie cool, hip startup, like, yes, books are still happening. Yes, we can help you get this done. And I love that about you. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, my business partner, Dara Beavis, and I, we um, we were really impacted by books growing up. And we really know firsthand that books can make a big difference um, in people's lives. Sure. And so that's kind of what drives us. So, um, you know, everything we do is totally custom. We kind of take a boutique approach and we think, okay, how can this book be really special to the reader? How can it make a difference? Um, whatever that might mean, whether it's to entertain, whether it's to um, create awareness for um, for a certain cause, whether it's to contribute to a movement um, or to, you know, just to educate. Sure. You know, it, we want every author to know that their book means something and that we can craft it in a way that supports that. How long has Wise Inc. Creative Publishing been publishing books? We've been publishing since 2013. Um, We actually started as a blog in the beginning of 2012. Um, And it was because, you know, we were colleagues at another publishing company and we were working with authors every day and we knew what they needed. We knew what questions they had. And we had all this knowledge floating around in our heads. And we thought, why don't we just create a resource? So we actually started as an educational resource mm-hmm. for independent authors. Um, and, you know, our publishing philosophy just sort of blossomed from there. When you look at uh, the the world of publishing, mm-hmm. people think that, oh, you know, books are going away. And tell me about your experience of starting a book publishing company in a very recent time frame when a lot of people might think that books aren't doing very well. 
I actually don't think that's true at all, that books aren't doing well. Um, I will say that all of our authors are, they're selling their books and they're making great impacts with the way that they are selling. A lot of times, um, too, they're selling directly to their readers. So they're finding ways to connect with their readers in very personal, um, direct ways, for lack of a better word. So um, I, I guess I wouldn't say that books are going out. I think that last year, and I don't know the exact statistic, but more books sold hard copy books sold last year um, than the past several years. And I don't remember the exact. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact (laughs) citation for that. But if I think about my own book reading, because I'm a I'm a big reader. And if I think about my own book reading, I always have an electronic book going, but I also usually have books with Mm -hmm. me either in my bag, physical copies, or I'm carrying them around or they're on my nightstand. I kind of do both. Me too. I'm and the I same think kind a lot of reader. Of people do that, mm-hmm. and it depends too on the kind of book. Like if it's a business book, I might really want the hard copy because I want to be referencing it and writing notes. Well, that's exactly right. And so we go through all of those questions um, and ideas when we're helping an author figure out what mediums they should be in, whether it should be hardcover or soft, whether they should do an audiobook um, or or not. You know, just thinking about those different options. Um, it's important to think about how your readers are going to use them and what's going to be most useful. So let's back up because Mm -hmm. one of the things on your website that I noticed is you have working with an author sort of broken down into four arenas. You have the plan, build, launch, and sell. Mm -hmm. So someone comes to you and they have a book idea. And I mean, some of these have to be crazy ideas that you don't think are going to work. Is that the case? Or do you take everyone's proposal? No, we don't. You know, I would say... We're not opposed to doing any any genre, but what I would say is that every the common denominator with all of our authors is that they're all very purpose driven, and they want something that is artfully created specifically for um, for an audience for a specific purpose. And so, um, though yes, the plan, build, launch, sell that is our quote unquote process, mm-hmm. but we don't have any packages. There's no such thing as one size fits all. Um, plan, build, launch, sell. It looks different for every single author. And, you know, if an author is coming to us with a new book, um, maybe in the same vein on a similar topic, that still is going to have a different process um, than maybe what their first book looked like. So you and Dara are working at a publishing company and you meet and you decide, hey, we're going to put this information out there. It is kind of ironic still how hard self-publishing is for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. even though there's tools and books and people that tell you how to do it. It is still a process that requires some handholding. Definitely. So you guys decide you're going to start this company. How did you decide you were going to be partners together? Like, did you vet each other or what made her your unique partner? Oh, gosh. Um, she's just my person. I don't know. I don't yeah, even know how to say it exactly. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've we'd worked together for so long. I think we met in... Um, at the start of 2008, okay. we started working together. And so it was five years later that we started our company. Sure. Um, and, you know, we were just collaborative partners from the very beginning. And so it was it would have been impossible for us not to share ideas when when we had them. And so it just sort of happened so organically. Did you both um, put like the same amount of money in? And when you started the company, did you sit down and like determine who was going to do what in terms of roles? Um, yes, we, you know, we started with... Um, very little capital. So we we didn't take out any loans. A little, every, little like less than 10? <laughs> less than 10, okay. yes. Um, and it's all pretty much sweat equity from sure. the beginning. And um, 
we were able to give ourselves paychecks from the very start. Um, you did. We did. That's was, really unique. So let's talk about that for a second. Sure. So you put your business model together, and did you have a business plan? We had a business plan. Um, we see. I I quit my job um, in January of 2013, mm-hmm. and Dara quit. I think at the end of March, um, and you know during that time, I was sort of building and brainstorming and mm-hmm. sort of building building on some um, connections that I had. And then when, you know, when we launched and we had our website up, you know, I, I was able to bring a few clients to the table and Dara had um, some people as well. So mm-hmm. it was, we sort of were able to hit the ground running in that way. That's amazing. So, Most people don't have that luxury. So that's cool. Well, and you know, also we, because we'd been working in the same industry for a long time, we just knew a lot of people. Yeah. And we had a lot of connections and a lot of support and loyalty, and it was it was great. So when you did your business plan, I know um, Dara's married. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your family I, situation yes, is. Yes, I'm married as well. Okay, so that plays into when you're starting a business. Yeah. How much bootstrapping can your family do? Yep. So you guys right away decided, you know, we're going to publish these books, and X amount of this is going to go towards our salary. Mm-hmm. I think that is amazing. Good for you for doing it that way. Thank you. A lot of entrepreneurs pay themselves very last. Well, and, you know, we certainly didn't, um, we weren't extravagant about sure, it in any sure. way at the, in the beginning, especially in the beginning. Um, and it was challenging. I won't lie yeah. to you. I mean, I was, I was in my master's program at the time um, as well. And, you know, since, since our first year, I've had a child, Dara's had a child. Yeah. So... You know, we have been able to support ourselves and and really thrive That's awesome. in this business. But it's, you know, it wasn't it wasn't always easy. The first couple of years are it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. tell me, can you think of a mistake that you made where you were just like, oh, oh, that's a <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think of um, which one is the best to share because <laughs> there's a lot I, when you start a business. Yeah, and... definitely. Um, you know, here's here's one that we that we made that wasn't. Um, it, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a mistake, but you know, it's it's important to protect your reputation from the very beginning. Um, we had a we had a friend who you know wanted to support us um, and said, you know, do you mind if I use your logo and ISBN and then I can, you know, and then you have another book for your backlist. Yeah. And the book looked great, and we had read it, and it was a really good book, um, but it didn't go through our our typical, what is now our, our typical proofreading and editing process, which is um, usually at least two rounds of editing and at least two rounds of proofreading. So that's, you know, several sets of eyes that go through every single book that we publish. Um, and But at the beginning, we were like, you know, this is this is really good. We've read it. Sure, let's let's do that without without going through our process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we discovered a little bit later that there were a few mistakes, and luckily it was print on demand. And so we were able to go back and fix those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was a it was a learning thing because we realized, you know, people notice these things and it's important to be very protective of our quality standards and what we deem is acceptable that we want to put our name on from the very beginning. And your brand integrity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, think- that was one mistake. But, you know, for the most part, we've we've really been able to hold who our values on on the quality of the books that we produce. Do you think a business like yours would be in existence if it wasn't for print on demand? Mm, um, print on demand, for those of you listening that maybe don't know, is just you can literally publish and print one book these days with the way that publishing yeah. is set up. And 
Well, they let print me, them as you need them. Let me sort of clarify too how how we work with print on demand. Sure. Um, you know, so I think a lot of people think that print on demand just simply means you've got a manuscript, you upload it, press press go, and you're published. Um, we take all of our authors through all the same production um, steps that we would take an author who did a traditional print run. Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer your question of would we be up and running without print on demand, I think absolutely because. Um, well, for the first many, many years of my career in in this business, in this industry, um, we didn't work with any print-on-demand printers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really been since we started Wise Inc. that you know a few authors here and there will use print-on-demand, but honestly, most of our authors are still doing large traditional print runs. Really, that's interesting. They are, and and they're able to sell them and use traditional distribution. Um, so most of our authors are printing at least a thousand. I would say that's a a small quantity to right. start. Um, and they're able to to make their money back and um yeah and go through and reprint. So so when you um have an author and they come to you with their idea mm-hmm. and let's say you like the idea, tell me what that process on a high level looks like in case there's people listening that are like, "Oh, I've got this book idea I've always been wanting to bring to print." Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned it's really important to me on a personal level that every book I work on um, have some sort of a positive impact in the world, whatever that might mean. So it's mission driven. It isn't absolutely, just that I absolutely. wrote a book about, I don't know, right. uh, brownies. Right. Here's a, well, and even that can have a mission too. To it bring could if more I was deliciousness into people's or, lives. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, but I would say that um, I would ask that author to start. Um, what is it that you want your book to do in the world? What do you want it to do for you? And what do you want it to do for your readers? Because I really believe making goals for for a book and creating a mission for a book, you know, those goals should be twofold. If you don't have, you need the selfish side because you, you need something to keep you going, Mm -hmm. but then you also have to have that. um, I don't know. I don't want to say philanthropic, but that, that mission to, to help people in some way and to bring some betterment to their life is being, uh, I'm thinking of my husband because he just wrote a book actually. And his whole goal is to write fiction. He mm-hmm. just, he likes it. He's trying to tell stories of things that have happened in his life. Or we see characters walking down the street and we both think like, oh, what is that person's story? Like, how did they get here? And who do they interact with when they go home? And is that enough of a mission? I think so. I mean, especially with fiction, I think um, fiction can hit the truth of our, the human experience in a way. Sure. That um, that just a you know a, a traditional news story, for example, wouldn't be able to do. That's interesting. Um, so, and it's hard for me to say exactly how that happens, but it's it's art, really. Yeah. And so, absolutely, that can be that can be a mission. To re- I would say for for most of our fiction authors, they're trying to reveal something new about about the human experience, mm-hmm. or something they're trying to reflect something back about the human experience and make the reader think. So that's that is absolutely a mission. Okay. That's very interesting when you think about it in that way. So you help them get their mission. Then the biggest part about writing that has surprised me watching my husband do this is the extensive proofreading. I mean, oh, yeah. so many people proofread his manuscript a million times. Mm-hmm. Literally, I think it honestly was proofread by five people three times fully. And you still find things. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and there's still stuff in there. It's an endless process. And at some point, you just have to be like, okay, I'm good. I, I can't do it anymore. But um, there are many, many rounds that we of editing and proofreading we suggest. So um, 
you know, we build our books custom from the ground up. And one of the steps in the writing process and the revision process, you know, outside of working with Wise Inc. is is getting beta readers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you have a manuscript, it doesn't make sense to just hire an editor outright because there may be some things that that you can revise. You need help revising before you get to the actual editing phase. Mm -hmm. That should be the the fine-tooth comb. Yeah, like parts of the story that don't make sense or... Yeah, then, you know, this part is confusing. Mm -hmm. This feels like a complete detour for the character. It doesn't feel right. Or, um, you know, I don't understand, you know, how we got to this point from from this point here. That's a really unique point of view, I think. And I'm not sure a lot of the book publishing does it to that degree. I think they're reading well, it I think for that we cohesiveness. Get in, yes, but I think we get involved a lot sooner than traditional publishers typically do. Cool. So, so that's a unique thing about you guys. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we we work with authors often from the idea on, and we actually coach them through the writing process. A traditional publisher isn't going to do that kind of, that level of um, of care in the creation of a book. You know, they're... Um, you know, they'll want a polished manuscript when they see it, and then they'll decide whether they want to take it on or not. But if we like an idea and we can see that an author has the ability to deliver on that idea, we would we love working with them from the beginning. But of course, you know, you, we still have to go through the copy editing. We still need to go through several rounds of proofreading. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it does make sense to get new eyes on it. Um, before we get to that stage. So typically in the writing uh, community, they, you know, most writers have beta readers that they work with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that the publishers aren't usually involved at that stage. Right. So So you, in the course of a year, about how many books do you publish? We publish about 60 books a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that you mentioned when we were walking into the studio here is that you published a friend of ours, Ian and Marjorie, who are on my talk that you published their kids' book. Yeah, well, we didn't publish it. That was actually um, in my previous career. Okay. I worked with them. Yep. So when you have somebody that comes to you like with a children's book, is that different than a fiction book? Because with children's books, isn't as much of the story told by the art? And do you help them hire artists and put the illustrations together? Yep. We do all of that, too. Yeah. Um, what percentage of the books that you guys publish at Wise Inc. Uh, Creative Publishing are children's versus non-children's? Um, I would say that the, well, we do a lot of young adults, so that's not necessarily children's. Sure. But, um, so we do it, that's a, our largest fiction genre to be, actually, really? yeah, is, is young adult and middle grade. Why do um, you think? Um, you know, I think that being young women, we yes. attract a lot of young women authors. Yeah. And... A lot of young women authors happen to be young adult authors. Yeah, so. and it's become a genre that's really blown up. Yes. And what's interesting about it to me, this is like a totally random aside, but um, I had cancer and I had chemotherapy and I had a lot of it. And one of the things that kind of went by the wayside for about two years was my ability to really focus on reading. Wow. And the mm-hmm. way I found my way back to reading was young adult fiction because the storylines were easier it it wasn't that the books weren't complex, but the language and just the feel of it was written yeah. at a level that really worked for me as I was recovering. Yeah, as a real true escape. Yeah, and yeah. like I remember reading The Hunger Games, and that was literally that trilogy was the one of the first three books I actually read after mm-hmm. treatment. But that book is 
or that series is very smart too. Mm-hmm. That's what is so exciting to me about so much young adult literature now <laughs> that we have nowadays is yeah. that it's it's um it's really smart and it just just like all good fiction, it can be a true reflection of the human experience of our society. Yeah, because there government. was a lot of ways that it was like 1984. And, oh yeah, and then Divergent and Insurgent and yep. that whole series that came out. What are um, authors that really appeal to you that you haven't published? Oh, that is a, a really, really good question. Um, you know, I love working with movement makers. So we work with a lot of um, a lot of self-help mm-hmm. kinds of authors. Um, so I, I guess, you know, if, if somebody is big in that world, that's always an exciting kind of client for me. Yeah. Um, I also am a huge food person. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we have a few cookbooks that we've published recently. Uh, we published a book called The Farm Fresh or um, The Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen, which is clean eating comfort food. So if you want to be on a diet, but you also want, you know, sure. spaghetti, you, here's an option for you. Yep. Um, and then we're publishing a Pakistani cookbook this year, which I am so excited about. And it's beautiful. And it's um you know, I think nothing unites people like food can. And so that's a it, genre that's really underserved, too. And the food yeah. is just wonderful. Yes, absolutely. So just to be, you know, to be a part of a project like that, I, I'm super excited. But I would love to do I would love to do more food focused mm-hmm. <laughs> books, um, you know, from different cultures and, and whatnot. I, I just think it's it's so fun and it's so fascinating. And um it's so colorful. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, in terms of putting together a book, so let's just say we're dealing with a, and maybe it's different for fiction versus a kid's book, but generally, if you're the author, about how much do you have to budget to put together a project? If you're a children's book author? Yeah. Is it that different than being like a fiction author? I'm sure it is because you uh, have to, so many yeah. more pages. And I mean, it. yes, it is, but there are other parts of the process that cost a lot less. So, you know, for example, your editing budget is going to be much, much smaller with a children's book, yep. but then you'll have the illustrations on top of it. Um, so it's going to shake out to be pretty similar. Okay. Um, you know, most of our authors with the level of hands-on care we have and starting from the very beginning. And again, a lot of our authors are working with us to coach them through the writing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our authors are spending around 10,000. Okay. Um, but I would, also put in a range of, you know, eight to 15 and up, depending on how customized the book is, um, how high end, you know, I mentioned the cookbooks that we love to do. Those also tend to cost more at the printer. Sure. So, yeah. And they usually have a lot extra, a lot of extra stuff like the glossy paper. They might have embossing. They might have a dust jacket. They might, you know, just the special things. um, All of that costs more money. Yep. Okay, that's good for people to know just to get a benchmark. Mm-hmm. Does that but put will, you in okay. the, are you like in the high, medium, or low category then? I would say we're, you know, we're priced fairly for the number of hours that we put into Certainly. every project. Yep. But, um, you know, we're we're not a one, we're not a one size fits all kind of place. Yep. So it, it is on the, on the higher end, I would say. Um, what a lot of our authors are doing, though, that's been pretty exciting to see is they've been crowdfunding their projects and they've been able to not only use crowdfunding as a way to build their platform, but also as a way to fund their projects. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for example, a book that we've got coming out this spring called um, Faces of Autism, the author is Tara Gerardin. 
Um, she is a she's a local photographer here in the Twin Cities, and she began this passion project of photographing children with autism because, um, you know, I think photography really cuts to the heart of who the person is. Mm-hmm. You can see the person clearly outside of the autism, but also to celebrate kind of what makes that person, that child, who they are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the autism really contributes to that. And if you take that away, they're not the same person, right? right. So it's it's a book to celebrate these kids. Um, she was able to fund her entire project um, through Kickstarter. And so, and there are several authors that we've had who have been able to do that. Um, so I, I would say probably 15% of our authors are funding their project at least partially, if not fully, through crowdfunding. That's um, cool. The Humans of Minneapolis book that you saw there, that's another one that was funded entirely through crowdfunding. Yeah, that's really cool. And you're, do you give them expertise on how to set that up? And is that part yes, of the initial process? Yes, that's part of the, yep. And, and again, we look at it as much as a mark, of a marketing tactic as we do a funding tactic. Cool. So that's usually at the in the big picture strategy from the very start. And, you know, they they still do the legwork of creating, of, of managing that page. But we coach them through the process and talk about what's worked for other authors and what hasn't worked and um you know, that's just part of our, our guidance. Um, how many people are in your company now? Um, there are five of us in-house, and uh, we have about 20 contractors that we've worked with okay. as well. And how do you know, like, when it's time to add someone in your company? Like, is it, wow, we are really stretched here and we just can't? Like, I got to believe mm-hmm. that with all small businesses, when to hire is really an important decision. Yes, I would. here's what I would say is that, We've we've added people. Number one, when when the right person comes along, it's got to be the right fit. Um, but also when we see an opportunity to grow and we're at risk of leveling off, mm-hmm. you know, we we want to continue growing and we know that we can't do everything. So one of the things that we add, or one of the people that we've added this year um, is a marketing director, mm-hmm. and you know, we realized that. In order to continue giving the same level of care to every single author and to increase the number of authors that we work with every year, we couldn't possibly give all the marketing guidance or have one person give all the marketing guidance Mm -hmm. and all the project management and consultation, all of that, um, and not, not A, have our employees burn out or B, just not be able to keep up. And so the marketing director, she works with every single one of our authors um, to refine their marketing plans and actually helps them with the implementation of that. And so she's a she's a wonderful person to have on the team um, just to kind of not only to fill in holes, but to do more than we've ever been able to do in terms of marketing before. And she's um, running programs for our authors. She is doing some of our company marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really been able or it's, it's helped us be able to um, continue growing in a wonderful way. So do you know, so you have that person now, mm-hmm. in your mind, do you know what the next hole is that's going to be something that you'll be looking to fill? Like, is that how you think about the evolution of moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I I think, well, there are two things that are roles that I would like to see added. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I would love to have another project manager within the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else who understands the way that we want to work with authors and um, this hands-on approach and yep. and has that personal um, one-on-one kind of um, approach to working, yeah, to working on books. Um, but then I, I would say that 
we also would love to have somebody who um, who can do design in-house. Sure. Because that's another area that um, we'd like to grow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting the way that you looked at adding people to your business is in terms of growing the overall capacity of your business and that you keep seeing that moving forward. I think sometimes business owners aren't thinking like that. They're just so stressed or so crushed mm-hmm. and they just need hands and help. You seem pretty thoughtful about where that next addition would be and sort of um, how that would grow the overall structure of your business. That's smart. Well, thanks. And it helps to have two of us because mm-hmm. when I'm feeling stretched, I can we can talk about that and yep. we can have those discussions and say, you know, we really need to anticipate where we're going to be. Um, and we want to make sure that we keep growing and that we're intentional about it. And so I think just having two, two founders, you know, having a business partner, we are able to sort of be mirrors for each other so we can project and build on our growth a lot more efficiently. I don't want to be sexist either. And this will probably put me on the edge, but also, what's real interesting talking to you is you and your partner both have had children. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like I was in business with my husband, mm-hmm. our family unit was a big part of our business, right? Both him and I, but also the amount of time we could spend with our child and if someone was sick, how we manage that. It's it's interesting that you probably have a really unique sense of support with each other in, in being in business at the same period of your lives. Yeah. Well... I think that's a really important part of who we both are. And it's, you know, to neglect that piece of us would be, and to not, incor- you know, figure out how to incorporate that efficiently into the, or effectively into the business. Does it feel um, would different? Be oversight, but like, let's say, I, I mean, if you were working for Best Buy and mm-hmm. you were a mom and going to work every day and trying to do that versus going to your own company and being a mom, does he think it feels different? I I definitely do. Well, here here's two things that I would say is that number one, Dara and I both have husbands who are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and so the fact that we are both in families with entrepreneurs, all four of you, wow, all four of us, and so to have us all be entrepreneurs, I mean, it <laughs> they bo- our husbands really understand sure the pressures of of entrepreneurship, but also the flexibility, and so we, you know, we just kind of play it by ear and we, they're both incredibly supportive and yeah. we're supportive of them. And I would say that um, we're both, I don't want to say lucky because it, <laughs> um, well, it sounds like, you know, it shouldn't be expected to, <laughs> you make, do you know luck. what I mean? Yes. Um, but, but to say that we have wonderful husbands who um, really balance us out and who share all of those duties, you know, that's what allows us to do what we want to do. Um, but as far as being an entrepreneur and a mom, I don't think it would be easier working a full-time job in corporate mm-hmm. America. I think it'd be harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can I can plan my schedule, and then I can work at 5.30 in the morning and 11.30 mm-hmm. at night. And I can work over the weekends um, and then take a break for kinder music in the middle of the week if I really want to yep. with my son. So, it, you know, we have that, that flexibility. I think, too, people... When you're an entrepreneur, people are like, oh, I'm going to have this whole flexible schedule. And in, in, in effect, you do. But I also felt like I worked for myself a thousand times. I just felt like I was always working. Yeah. It was always <laughs> on my mind. I was always thinking about it. And you're always giving something up. Yeah. That's and it wasn't like a bad thing necessarily. It was just a thing. I was very passionate about what I was doing. It was our baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's if you don't 
have that passion, then it's very hard to be an entrepreneur. And if you're, and this is the same thing with our authors. I mean, it's, it's like opening a business when you start for sure working on a, on a project, you have to have that passion piece of the impact that you're going to have for your, for your clients or for, for your readers. Right. But if you don't have the selfish piece too, to balance it out, you know, it, you're going to fail. So I I think it's the same thing with being an entrepreneur. Um, Obviously we, for myself, I want to be successful. I want to be able to, you know, support my family, but also make a really big impact in this industry. Yep. Um, and then I also want our authors to be able to do great things. And so it's that dual selfish, not selfish thing that I think makes a successful entrepreneur. Um, you brought, before we wrap up here, you brought a couple of books that you've published. Give me just like three titles that you think people listening to this program that are entrepreneurs that have an entrepreneurial spirit might be interested in knowing about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I grabbed this book, Seize Your Life by Jasmine Brett Stringer. Um, It's just a wonderful, wonderful, simple book about how to um, how to make the most out of every day. Jasmine is an inspirational person. Um, She's just one of those people who can just manifest the best possible outcome out of every situation. And I admire that about her. And I wish I had whatever magic juice that is. But this is a little bit of that. It's really beautifully designed, too. Thank you. Thank you. That's a big value for us. Um, She she is local here and she's a a personality. Okay. So Jasmine uh, Brett Stringer. Yes. All right. How about another one that you like? Um, Another one I brought um, BS Incorporated by Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. Um, That's a fictional book and it's kind of devil wears prada meets office space um sounds and, funny yes uh this pair met um in corporate america at a very popular fortune 500 company here in the twin cities okay. and this is about the shenanigans really that go down I love those books yes it's it's a really fun read they've got a sequel coming out next year um they're working on that right now so all right that sounds like a good yeah. book for Lori and julia to dig into oh definitely um, another book that I brought is Mama's Night, A Cancer Story of Love. Um, and this is a remarkable book. This author, she published three uh, young adult fantasy novels with us uh-huh. called the Bloodmark series. Her name is Aurora Wittet. This is her first children's book. And the mission behind this book was to support um, to, to support families in having those conversations with their kids when their mother has cancer. It's really hard. Yeah, really and I'll, I want to give this help. one to you, oh, <laughs> you know, to whether you need it or whether you want to share it with somebody that know, you love, yeah. please, you know, please share that. And um, the Bloodmark series, the young adult books, I think, was that about like someone that had a birthmark? No, it's about um, it's about a werewolf princess queen. She <laughs> she's kind of the chosen one, but she's so Aurora set out to write um, a series about um about a teenage girl who saves herself, you know, enough of this damsel in distress. Yeah. Baloney. <laughs> so, so that's really what it's all about, but it's still, it's a love story too. And it's about her rise to power and cool. Um, yeah. I think it's a great read for teen girls. Yeah. Um, and then I brought humans of Minneapolis by Stephanie Glaros. Um, just a beautiful book about those things that unite us as human beings and um, about our community that's a really special project for us. Too. Yes, particularly right now as yes. there's become a lot of, um, I noticed it sort of reads the way it's designed looks like an immigrant story. And truthfully, 
we have a large immigrant community, mm-hmm. and I think people forget that, you know, this is all part of the fabric of who we are. And how many great stories are there? How many great Just, stories? I honestly, this is getting maybe a little political, but you think about, I'm really interested in food and community mm-hmm. through food. And if you can sit down with someone and hear their story, I don't know how you can be discriminatory towards these people. They're the same as you. Yes. Just trying to start their businesses, just trying to feed their families. Well, and you said earlier, you know, you look at somebody, you see these, you see characters and people mm-hmm. and you just wonder what their stories are. This book, if you're looking for food for um, for creation, if you're a fiction author or you want to be, if you're looking for story um, ideas, the stories that these people have, you just would never expect. Yeah. You look at who they are and it's, you find yourself making assumptions and it's, it's a really great way to put yourself in check and also to, to be fascinated at the varying ways that... We experience life. And that people come together. That's so cool. Yes. Well, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you. Can I talk about one more? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, The last book I brought is Unveiled Beauty by Lisa Harris. Um, She's another former corporate America person who came about to start this movement of um, women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. And this is, so it's, her company is Fashion Meets Poetry. And so it's these beautiful um, photographs of women um, paired with photography or paired with poetry. Um, and it's these kind of archetypes of women in our culture. Oh, cool. And it's sort of reflecting back what it means to be a woman and um, what our challenges are in the, in today's landscape yeah. or on today's landscape. So anyway, cool. I just wanted to mention that one too, because yes. it's another beautiful one that we're proud of that came out this past year. So if you've got an idea rumbling around inside you, uh, give Amy Quayle and her partner, um, Dara Beavis, a call. Wise Inc. Creative Publishing is the company, and it is located in Minneapolis, obviously, because we are cool makers doing cool things. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. And, and what's in the base situation? itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.